God can use us in our work. Um, it's not separate, and sometimes, you know, John's the holy one. We come on Sunday, and John's been praying and fasting all week. Um, and, but we're sort of like the other, the other few, the, the people that just go to work and do a, a regular old job, and God doesn't see it that way. And so these interviews are just a, a, a way of, um, number one, getting to know people in our church, getting to see what they, what they do, and, and praying for them and seeing uh, the work that God's doing through them. So this morning, I'd like to welcome Alan. Give Alan a round of applause. Well, as it's September, I'd have a teacher before he squirrels himself away in his, in his notebooks. Um, first question, this is difficult, Alan, what is your name? Alan. Full marks. Well done. Um, and so, Alan, where will you be this time tomorrow? Um, I'll be back at a school in Banbury. Uh, it's an all-girls private school, 11 to 18. Uh, teach drama there, get paid to do that. Whoop. Uh, although I might, although really I'm paid to be a hypocrite because I end up telling them not to do all the things that I did when I was at school, <laughs> which is really awkward sometimes. Um, what are your challenges and your joys in your job? Uh, let's deal with the joys because <laughs> we're only here to talk about. No, um, I guess the joys weirdly have nothing to do with teaching. Uh, the strongest things and the things that I'll take with me from the school are outside of that and that are relational and are where you kind of meet the kids where they are and, and kind of, yeah, deal with them on a different level. So beyond the, the, the curriculum, what you're, what you're teaching them, it's just being part of their lives? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. If, I mean, I can give you an example if you want. But yeah, okay, so uh, there was a Chinese girl in my tutor group who was really, um, if she got 99%, she'd cry to her parents feeling that she wasn't good enough. And, uh, and her dad came and saw me and said, look, I just wanted to relax. I wanted to be, a, you know, be able to have fun and joke around. And I'm not the most conventional of teachers. So I was like, it's all right. She's in my tutor group. Give her like a term. Uh, and at the end of term, I was checking the emails and I just happened to see her. I said, oh, Sharice, your dad's just sent me an email. He said, he doesn't want, me to, he doesn't want to pick you up. He wants me to sell you on eBay. And she said, oh, it's all right, Mr. Christopher. I opened up a laptop. I've just got an email from Miss Griffiths. You're fired. <laughs> and, and normal teachers, whenever I tell teachers that, they're like, oh, she said what? But for that girl, that was amazing. And she just opened up this door of just release and just knowing that not everything had to be so... And what about some of the challenges? Uh, some of the challenges. Some of the challenges are the adults. <laughs> Uh, they're invariably worse than the children uh, and they all come with their own kind of agendas, uh, needs, kind of issues and negotiating those sometimes you, you end up struggling to do your job because you get wrapped up in that in, uh, so much that you end up yeah, uh, kind of getting distracted from what you're there for. Okay. Um, and so a final question, how can we pray for you? Um, by... Praying for them, I guess, by praying for the adults and the kids and the, all that fluff and that negotiating of those waters is easy because you go in, you might spend all the morning driving in, listening to worship songs and talking to God and you're in a really good mood and within five minutes somebody's kind of metaphorically slapped you around the face and you're in this other place again and just the resilience and the rock to stand on to deal with that throughout the day so that you're in a better position to be a better person for those people. Whatever it is, giving it to God straight away and just keeping yeah, that Yeah, keeping yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. A bit of deflection. 
protection. Yeah. Brilliant. Can we give Alan a round of applause? <laughs> now switch back to this one. Yeah. Uh, God, thank you. Thank you for Alan, Lord. And uh, um, as John has prayed earlier, thank you for all of our teachers. And just pray that... Um, we just pray that um, Alan will start to see the fruit of, of uh, who he's touching in his life, all the, um, the kids, Father, that their their lives are changed through not just Alan's teaching ability, Father, but his, uh, his connection to you and his love for you, Lord Jesus. So we just pray into that, Father. Amen. Uh, unfortunately, you've got me again, so I'm not, I'm not going to be saying anything. Can you make this slightly bigger? I'm a bit taller. Love you, really. I'm about, to, I'm about to build you up, so, you know, you need to take your time. So, hopefully, John is now finished. We can be heroes. Um, he's said that about five times. Um, but uh, I am talking about something similar. But um, he's reassured me that he's now going to be talking on James in a couple of weeks. But I wouldn't be surprised. Halfway through, we could be heroes, part six. <laughs> back, back from the dead. But um, I always say this. I always say, most of my sermon is, go listen to the sermon John did. Three weeks, three weeks ago, but um, I really encourage you to go check that series out. It is, it is, it is really good. Um, and I'm continuing the faith theme this morning in what I'm going to sh- be, be sharing with you. Um, but I'm terrible at writing sermons. Um, I procrastinate. I look at cooking videos on YouTube. Uh, I'm up late because I, I haven't left, my, left myself enough time. Um, but God really spoke to me a few Sundays ago. Um, and whether it was just me being inspired or me being divinely inspired or whatever... Um, I, I thought, great, I've got an idea for my next sermon. Um, I can let this brew, I can let this stew, I can, you know, write a bit every week. Um, and so I casually mentioned this to, this to John last Saturday. And then on Tuesday, I was like, do you fancy preaching this Sunday? <laughs> so this may sound a bit rushed, because uh, it is. Um, but I, I like to dispel some of the illusion around sermon writing, because, you know, sometimes John preaches and it's like, oh, I just walked in a field and I stumbled on these, these plates where the sermon is, and I will bring this to you this Sunday. It's, it's definitely, it's not like that with me. I'm, I'm wrestling with words, and i am uh, got three Bibles out, and I'm trying to, trying to find some meaning in something. Um, but, you know, uh, I'd like us to affirm our pastor and his, his preaching ability. It's just, um, I, I refer to it as annoyingly good, because John is just really annoyingly good at lots of things. Um, <laughs> but unfortunately, you have me this morning, and if... if John is the, uh, the head of the body. I am the left nipple. <laughs> I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm pretty useless, and I stick out a lot. <laughs> but, however, if I'm, this morning, if, I, if I'm a left nipple, then I'm going to be used by God. So God's going to be using it. <laughs> so um, we were singing one of my favorite hymns a few weeks ago which is uh, called Blessed Assurance uh, by Fa- Fanny Jane Crosby which is a great name um, and God really put something on my heart during the song um, and in true John Martin style this may be a three part series I'm, I haven't quite decided yet I'm just going to be going over the first um, the first am I standing in the wrong place uh, the first verse this morning which goes something like this. Uh, Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God, 
born of his spirit, washed in his blood. And I just, uh, I just love that term, blessed assurance. It just really encourages and it kind of describes some more about God as well. Um, and I think fundamentally it talks about God's gift of faith because we, we need a bit of faith to start the journey with God. But, but then God just like invades our life and just gives us this overwhelming satisfaction of, of who he is. Um, and I've, I've looked back at my own life and I drastically needed some blessed assurance. Um, you know, I have periods of great doubt and I ask myself whether my faith is real or a fairy tale. Um, and although these periods are temporary, there's always something in the back of my, hi- back of my mind saying, what if, you know, what if, uh, what if this is uh, not true? Uh, what if I'm wrong about God's existence? Uh, what if I'm wasting my time going to church? And uh, sometimes I think that there is a healthy level of skepticism. Um, if we, uh, it can drive us to learn more, it can get us to read the Bible more, spend time with God and work things out on our own. A lot of our faith is personal and so we can't just rely on someone spoon feeding us uh, the, the journey that they're going through. Um, uh, and I doubt we would have, if we took everything at face value, I'm not sure we would have, uh, our faith would be any greater. But um, those periods of, of doubt can really stunt our growth with Jesus. Um, and sometimes even worse, it can lead us down the wrong path entirely if it just leads us to abandon our faith. Um, so in those times of doubt, we need an injection of faith from God. Um, and we see this in the response given by the, the father of the demon-possessed uh, boy in, in Mark chapter 9. Um, he's asked Jesus to help his son who's uh, demon-possessed and is convulsing on the ground. But temp- tempers his request and says, oh, if you can do it, you know, if you're able to do it. Um, and Jesus replies, if I can, everything is possible for him who believes. And the father says, I, I love this, I do believe help me overcome my unbelief, which is just such an honest answer. It's just, you know, he could say, oh, of course I believe, go and do it. But he's honest with Jesus. Um, And sometimes I think I need to say this in my own life, you know, I do believe, but Lord, help me overcome my unbelief. Um, And this is where God can come into our lives and give us his blessed blessed assurance. Um, And I think there's uh, lots of facets about the God-given faith uh, in this, but I'd just like to look at three things this morning. Um, first of all, we can have a faith that God chose you. Just look at that, that first line of the song. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Are you aware this morning that God chose you? It's a bit of a, it's a different question, isn't it? Because normally we think that it's, it's our faith. I chose God, you know, God was there and I said, oh yeah, I accept. But God chose you first. Um, it says in Ephesians, um, chapter 1, verse 3 to 4, Praise be to the, God, to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Now, I love being smug. Um, you know when you've just done something so right and uh, you, you, you're just so happy and you can show off? Um, I, I mainly reserve my smugness for Jess, though, because no one else sees it. I just, just, you know, that's a special part of my personality, just, just for Jess. Um, and this morning, um, not this morning, uh, I, had, I had, a couple of weeks ago, I had this perfect lunch planned out. So I have an hour for lunch, and then I, if I plan it right, I can get loads of things crammed in. So I was going to get my hair cut, important, important job, and then I was going to go grab a bagel from the Steam House, which is my favorite, uh, my favorite place in, in Stratford. And I'm not a horrible husband. I like to, you know, visit my wife every now and again and see how she's doing. 
So I thought maybe I could I could pop in to see Jess on the way back, you know, casually mention that I had this delicious bagel and, and how great it was, what a great decision. So I went to get my bagel and, and my little cup of coffee that they give you for free. Um, I should be on commission. Um, but I was had my bike with me, and so I was trying to carry a bagel, a coffee, and my bike at the same time. So I thought I put the, the coffee in the bag, which was a, a giant mistake. Uh, is it, it fell over, and as, as I was walking my bike down the street, <laughs> the bag I was carrying started leaking coffee. <laughs> and the street was packed, and I was just there, you know, just leaking coffee on the floor. Uh, and then the, uh, it got the, the bag got so sodden that the cup fell down. <laughs> Uh, but I, I think that was uh, probably God, uh, <laughs> having, uh, me having pride before a fall. So, uh, um, but unfortunately, or fortunately, uh, we can't be smug with God um, because He hasn't clearly—he's clearly hasn't chosen me for anything that I've done. I'm not special in, in any way. Um, firstly, I can't even carry a cup of coffee without spilling it. But God says that he's chosen us before the creation of the world. So it literally, it physically can't be anything that I've done. It's just God. Um, and I, I just think this is one of the greatest mysteries that I'm probably, I'm never going to fully understand it while I've got two feet on the ground. It's just, it's something that will just challenge me and inspire me for the rest of my life. Uh, God's grace and mercy displayed in revealing himself to people like me through his love so I can go and reflect God's glory. Um, and this really helps most of my Christian walk is just me uh, deflecting attention from my own, my, myself to, to God. And this is one of those moments where by God choosing me, I'm suddenly, it's less about what I've done and just all about what God's done. Uh, suddenly, the, it's not what if, but what for, Lord? What can I do, Lord? Because you chose me, you love me, and I'm yours. As it says, Jesus is mine. And in the light of God's grace, the doubt is exposed for what it is. For me, it's mainly, what if I look foolish? What if people reject me for following Jesus? And what if people think I'm stupid for being a Christian? And sometimes my desire to be right gets in my desire for God. Now, Jesus warned us some of this persecution may happen, but it's nothing compared to creating, to, to worshipping the one who created us. It just, it can't compare. Philippians 3 verse 8 says, What is more, I consider everything a loss, because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. And, and Paul was, earlier in the chapter in, in verse uh, 5, he was talking about his Jewish credentials, his like, you know, top tier, uh, circumcised on the eighth day of the, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. Paul's calling himself faultless. I thought he's uh, getting himself getting a bit smug there. Um, was anyone a cub or a scout here? That was good. Remember the badges you ha used to have? Paul's going on about his, his, his Jewish badges he would have sewn on his, on his side area. He's got the Pharisee badge, the tribe of Benjamin badge, the church persecution badge, which is very difficult to get. And more important, <laughs> had to do lots of persecuting for that. Uh, and most importantly, the eighth day circumcision badge. Well, wait for it. It's because the ninth day circumcision badge just doesn't cut it. Um, but all through these, his earthly and his Jewish uh, accomplishments, which 
his Jewish accomplishments look holy on the outside. He wants to get rid of them all just so he could know Christ at that, that bigger price. And really know Christ and to gain Christ and everything Christ promised to us and revealed to us. Whatever happens from our side of the equation, however much we need Jesus, however much we follow him, set aside to him and give to him, it all started by God first choosing us. I am my beloved and he is mine. But it it doesn't just stop there. Because my second point this morning is that you can have faith in where you're going. As the second part of uh, of the first verse of Blessed Assurance goes, Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine, heir of salvation. Now, who has ever had a fight with an insurance company? Blessed, blessed things, insurance companies. Um, I've uh, had an issue with one that um, they recently made it sound like the policy didn't auto-renew, but then it did, and they took them, tried to take the money out of our account, and it's very, very sneaky. But first off, you need to find the best insurance policy for your needs. That can take a long time to read about all of the excesses and what the policy covers and what the policy doesn't cover. Um, and you'll try a comparison website, and you'll say, what does this one offer versus this one? What's the best price? If only I could have this part of this policy from one and just this part of this policy from, an, from another. And then you finally find one, good price, good cover, done. And then you need to claim under the policy. And suddenly the insurance company grinds to a halt, slow down drastically, stop answering emails. Everyone's walking about in the office at quarter speed with your claim. Um, and they, yeah, and they lose your claim and they try to deny your claim under some loophole. Always detect the small print at the bottom tucked away at the bottom of the page. Now, sometimes I treat my faith like an insurance policy. I'll start off, I'll try to find the good bits that I want, leave out the bad things that I don't want. Or before I commit to Jesus, I need to get my theology 100% correct on this really small part that's probably not going to affect me at all. I just need to know everything before I really fully commit. And, you know, who really does know if God exists, whether his son died for me? I'll keep one toe in and commit to this part of the policy just in case it is true. And then if, if I die, I'll go to heaven. Or I can always go to, to back to God if things get truly bad, but currently everything's fine. And if it doesn't turn out to be true, then I've at least I've lived a good life. Um, I've done good things. Um, and my, my life wouldn't, wouldn't have been wasted. But our faith is not designed to work like an insurance policy. Uh, it says in 1 John uh, chapter 5, verse 11 to 13. And this is the testimony. testimony. God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Our access to eternal life is not found through a comparison website. It's not at the bottom of an endless policy documents. It's quite simply through our belief in Jesus and what he did did for us. Our salvation is fooled by God, who is the Amazon of eternal life. One-click checkout is on its way, backed by a firm guarantee. You can send anything back to Amazon, and they'll just give you a refund. It's great. Because if you read through the stories of the Old Testament, God keeps his promises. It's really what he's known for. This is like the God that keeps promises. And God's guarantee is not something that we can take away. It doesn't, it doesn't have a loophole, so God c- can get out of it in some way. 
Um, and God's eternal, so it's not provided by a company that can go bust and suddenly we're left in the lurch. If our faith in God had a de facto rating, it would be more than five stars. Our faith is one of assurance and our destination is secure through God's promise. A guarantee that cannot be taken away from us, transferred or defaulted. If we truly believe in Jesus, it is assured. And assured through what Jesus did on the cross. And that's my, my third point this morning. We can have faith in what Jesus did on the cross. So the last part of the first verse goes, Purchase of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. Now, I know we've been in Hebrews for a long time, but just one more for this week, we're going back in. And coincidentally, a few verses before the ones John was looking at last week. So we're looking at Hebrews chapter 10, uh, 19 to 22. I'll let you uh, look this one up as I grab some water. is conveniently on the screen behind me as well. As if by magic. Hebrews chapter 10, 19 to 22. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. So for us non-Jews, Hebrews can be very, very confusing to read. Uh, Jess has been reading through it recently and got stuck when uh, the writer of Hebrews, who may be Paul, may not be Paul, uh, randomly starts talking about uh, that Jesus is like a priest called uh, Melchizedek which is a very fun and difficult word to say. Um, and if you, it is cool. Uh, if you don't know who Melchizedek is, uh, you get confused. Um, and I was super confused when I first read this, but it takes some, takes some studying. Um, this is a bit of a red herring, but um, it is, it's a really fun story, actually. So I'm going I'm to share it with you this morning. Um, the writer of Hebrews goes on to explain who Melchizedek is. Because um, he originally appears in the Old Testament in a very, very short passage uh, in Genesis 14. Um, we have Abraham, the, the father of uh, the Jewish faith, who's known as Abraham, um, and he's rescuing his, his nephew Lot, who continually gets into troubles, apparently, um, who was staying in Sodom uh, while some, uh, some kings that were against the king of Sodom uh, fought them and basically took everything from Sodom, including Lot and his family, and, and sort of took them away. Um, and Abraham goes in with 318 trained men, uh, defeats the kings uh, who ransacked Sodom, and he takes back all the stolen things. Um, and then on his way back, he bumps into the king called Melchizedek, who was the king of Salem, which is the precursor to Jerusalem. And Genesis says that Melchizedek was a priest of the God Most High, effectively worshipping the, the same God as Abraham. And the priest blesses Abraham, and Abraham tithes to him, giving him a tenth of everything he had, acknowledging him as a priest. Um, and this was before the law of Moses said to do any of this. This is not before... Um, Moses on, on Mount Sinai. Um, and it's really important for the Israelites um, to understand this because the future priests were to come out of the house of, e- of Levi um, who were set apart from God. And as the writer of Hebrews is saying, Jesus is our high priest. But Jesus came from the house of David, which is traced back to Judah. 
Uh, and therefore, detractors at the time would say that Jesus was incapable of being a priest um, and incapable of atoning for our sins. But here we have Melchizedek, who was the, high, was the priest before Moses and Levi. So surely such things are possible. And even this great Abraham was blessed by this man. Who could be greater than Abraham? Now the high priest would go into the tabernacle and then the, temp- which, and then the temple and would do their day-to-day things in the holy place, which was in one section. But on the day of atonement, the high priest would sacrifice a burnt offering for his sin and then the sins for all of the Israelites and enter the most holy place, which is such a great name. Uh, it's like having a, a secret lair and then a super secret lair. Uh, but the, the super secret lair is where God's present, presence lived. And because God is, is so holy, a sacrifice had to be made to even go in there. And they were only allowed to go in there once every year on this, this specific day. But Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was the ultimate sacrifice. And he broke down the divider between the two rooms by dying on the cross, atoning for us and allowing us to enter into God's presence. And the curtain that was in the temple at the time was physically torn in two from top to bottom. And the writer of Hebrews is saying that Jesus' body is the new curtain. As we can only go through into the most holy place through what Jesus did and if we believe who Jesus was. But what's better of this, it was final and it was complete as we've been talking about today. Jesus did it once and for all. Jesus doesn't have to die for us every year. He did it once and that's enough. And again, I'm going to beat, beat the listen to John Sermon's drum. Um, if you want a better explanation of this without me rambling about Melchizedek, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to John's Connecting the Dots sermon on access to dad. As John goes into those rituals about what the high priest does and more about what the, the writer in Hebrews is saying about just the, the links between uh, the foreshadow and then what Jesus did. But it's such a perfect description wrapped up in this one verse we too can enter the most holy place where God resides as Jesus is there and Jesus is ours. As we enter in, he points us out to God as it says he's interceding for us and says, they're one of mine. And we can dwell in God's presence and we will dwell in God's presence for eternity. So let us draw near to God with a sincere heart And with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. I have a massive guilty conscience, um, probably by all the bagels that I eat. Um, But it's, uh, it's really, God's been speaking in my life about the importance of God prompting us to stop sinning through conviction by his spirit and us doubting that Jesus has removed our sin. They're, they're different. God doesn't, it's not a guilty feeling when God prompts us. It is a gentle push in the right direction. And it's really, really important that we understand that the guilty conscience isn't, isn't necessarily from God. The person who knows most about my sin is God. Um, and the second person is me. I know that I don't deserve my sins to be forgiven this way. But God has done it and he knows even more about the sin that I don't know. But it says in this verse that our bodies are washed and we're clean. Just like the priests would do their ceremonial washing before they would enter the most holy place. And our guilty conscience is removed through God's spirit. 
It says in Romans 8, 16 to 17, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. God knows that we have these periods of doubt. Periods of doubt. So the Holy Spirit testifies about who God is and the, promise of the promises of God to us. That we're God's children, heirs of salvation, and that we will share in God's glory. So let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and let him tell us how much that we are his children, how much he loves us, and what he did for us on the cross. I'm just going to finish with this, this one picture. Who knows what this, this symbol is? Not you. I don't think I didn't, didn't think anyone would know this. Um, this is uh, uh, from a company called Lloyd Lloyd's Register that my, my dad works for. Um, more specifically, this is a quality assurance mark. Um, and sometimes you see this um, on a company that goes to get this certification. You'll see it on their stationery or you'll see it on the back of their lorries. Um, and what my dad does is he goes around to different companies um, and he ensures, uh, he ensures uh, they actually do what they say they do. Um, and it's high enough quality uh, for the uses, uh, what the, the components or what the, the systems that they're producing are. Um, and my dad does, mainly does this in the automotive sector uh, for ma people making car parts for the big manufacturers. So all the cars that you drive are done by companies with marks like this stamped on them. Um, and if you don't want someone um, saying that this is, uh, oh, because you don't want someone saying that it's, this is a really safe vehicle, all, the, all the, the parts are safe and manufactured properly, and then for it all to fall apart, even though sometimes they do. Um, but there are a number of reasons why a company would go out to get this certification. But primarily, it gives your customers confidence in your abilities, and it gives uh, the company itself satisfaction that they're doing the right thing. From this knowledge, those companies can go out and fight and win bigger contracts with bigger companies. And my dad goes around both small and large companies, and there are some tiny companies, like three or four man people with uh, some machinery, that are producing really crucial components for some of the largest car manufacturers. And this is exactly what Jesus does in our lives. He gives us an assurance, we're doing the right thing, we're saved, we're redeemed, we know where we're going. But unlike those companies, it's not anything we've done. It's entirely on Jesus. And he stamps our hearts, just like this stamp here, with his mark of the cross. And it's all we need. So how do we move on from here? In John 15, verse 16, Jesus says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you, you ask in my name, the Father will give you. From this place, we can go onward. First, being chosen by Christ. Secondly, being saved by Christ. And thirdly, being redeemed by Christ. But we don't sit around and sit on that knowledge. Just like those companies, we fight for bigger and better things through our Savior. The good, work, the good work we're to do and the fruit we are to bear. And God confirms more the more we do. So if, you're, if your faith is struggling this morning, I'd encourage you to press into him. And as you see God move, 
the more your faith will be strengthened. The more we see him move in our church, in our workplaces, in our schools, and in our homes. 1 Timothy 3.13 says, Those who have served well gain an excellent standing and a great assurance in their faith in Jesus Christ. It's such a privilege to see God moving, how uplifting and encouraging it is, but also how much our faith is made stronger when we see the, the kingdom of God moving in our, in, our, um, in our everyday lives. So let us serve well and see our investment in our faith return a great insurance. We serve a wonderful God who gives us immeasurable strength through his spirit to keep the faith and to fight the good fight, as John has been telling us in his series. We also serve a wonderful God who is ever-present, bought us at a price, and loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us. And if we truly accept this, and it's for us to accept, we receive a blessed insurance, which brings peace and spurs us to action. Um, and as we move into a time of communion now, um, I just pray that God will uh, speak to us uh, a little bit more about how much Jesus' death on the cross uh, means for us and just how heavy that was and just how complete it was in our lives. Thanks, Phil. Much better preacher than you think you are. Far too tall, though. <laughs> 